Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> Redwood Forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. From the king of sports books comes the king of sports podcasts. Unleashed. Presented by BetMGM. Here's your hosts, Jerry Ferrara and Olivia Harlan Decker. Welcome to Unleashed. We are in the holiday spirit. May your days be merry and bright. May your bets be ambitious and lucky. May your 33-point lead be safe. And may your holiday get-togethers be a little messy. Get it? M-E-S-S, I get it. Okay. Uh, Christmas already came early for my friend, Jerry Ferrara. The Knicks have won seven in a row, maybe even more by the time you're listening because we record on Tuesdays, a couple games coming up. The Giants win with maybe some help from the officials. Who knows about that? He's hitting parlays. He's hitting teasers. And he won his fantasy playoff game. Life is good for the kid. It's a Jerry Christmas. I should just quit while I'm ahead because there's no way this could keep up. But yes, Sunday, I hit Sports Utopia. I hit a parlay. I hit a teaser. Trevor Lawrence guided me through the first round of my Mm. fantasy playoffs. The Knicks won that night. The Rangers won a seventh in a row. I I just don't know where I go from here. So I should stop while I'm ahead. Yeah, the only thing is your uh, Seahawks ticket is just, I mean, by the week, it's it's gone. So I hope you... uh, Not the... uh, not the only thing going into the fire. Santa might be coming down the fireplace, but the Seahawks ticket to win the division is going in the fireplace and lit on fire because it's over. But what a fun losing ticket that was. It was. It was fun for a while. It gave us some good fodder. So coming up, we got NFL games on Christmas Eve. We have a full day of NBA games on Christmas. There's so much to get to. Plus, Jerry, coming up, we have former Buffalo Bills running back Fred Jackson. He is joining us. I don't know if you know this. His story, his path really to get to the NFL is amazing. Do you know his story? I know a little bit, but he was one of my favorite players to watch. Mm. I drafted Fred Jackson, every like fantasy stuff. He was one of my favorite running backs. Great career. So very excited to talk to him. Yeah, we'll get into all of that. But I think he's like third leading rusher in Bill's history. He's fantastic, has great stories. Really excited to talk with him. So yeah, what a huge win for his Bills, though, last week in snowy Buffalo against the Dolphins. And Jerry, you called it. The Dolphins cannot swim in the cold. No, but I will say 
I don't want to make silver linings here, but it wasn't a bad performance. Did not seem like the weather was much more of a factor than it even was for the Bills. Like it did not seem to really factor in for them. They just they just lost, but they played. It was a really really fun game to watch, and I feel better about the Dolphins should they make the playoffs going into the cold. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. That's going to be an interesting one, and kind of interesting too. Early in the season when Buffalo went down to Miami kind of inverse weather tricks. So, but it, this time of year, like we talked about last year, this is like finals in college. This is when it matters. So you got to play in the cold. Before we get into too much NFL, we have to pay off what was the best World Cup final ever with the best player ever. Did you watch at all Argentina beating France? I did. I definitely came in late. I, I'm not going to lie and say I watched the entire game. Again, I don't go too deep with soccer, yep. but it did feel like a an event that if you yes. missed, you'd probably regret. So I caught the probably the best part. I caught part of the comeback and the end. And I mean, just wow. It, it's it's almost like sad that it's every four years, but it's kind of what makes it what it is. Yeah. Like the Olympics. I mean, it. we all have all this national pride for a couple of weeks and it's really fun to like pit against other teams. And what I love about World Cup especially is, and the Olympics, that you have guys who are on the same team throughout the regular season play against each other like we did with France v. Argentina. So really good. Did you see that Drake put a million bucks on Argentina to win? I did see that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's all relative, right? I mean, that's obviously yeah. an amazing big number, but it's all relative. Like a million to Drake is probably, you know, 10 cents to me. But either way, with those winnings, you could definitely buy. You could definitely buy something really, really nice, especially in Ohio. You you just had to sneak that in there. I'm running yeah. it up there. I'm running yeah. it up there. Yeah, he won two and a half million. So yeah, you could buy something very nice anywhere. Uh, but Messi finally gets to hold the one trophy that has eluded him. Argentina went up two nothing. France with a frantic rally, they tied it with two Mbappe goals in the 80th and 81st minute. In extra time, both teams would score again. Argentina went up 3-2. to two. Then Mbappe scored his third goal. We got the hat trick, tying it at three. The World Cup was once again decided by penalty kicks, which is amazing for the sport, I think, because if you're not a big soccer fan and you just kind of, like a lot of people, tuned in to this one game, you probably thought it was super exciting, which it was. <laughs> so it was really great for the sport. And just the storylines and the, you had these two stars battling it out. It was just just incredible. So Argentina wins for the first time since 1986. And when we had Tim Howard on the show, he told us that, you know, Messi is one of the best players to ever play, but he'll always be compared to Maradona, who had one for Argentina. So if he was ever going to be considered the best player in the world, he had to at least be considered the best player in his own country history. So really, really cool. If you are all wrapped up in the soccer world, which a lot of people are right now because it was so attention-grabbing. Go back to our Tim Howard episode because his experiences at the World Cup and really, really beautifully laying out what this stage was, I thought he did a really great job. So I think that listen is just as good now in past tense. Before we close the book on the World Cup, we have to get to our Audible of the Week. I'm going to go ahead and crown it. Telemundo commentator Andre Cantor he had so much pride in this call. You can feel it around the globe. It's so moving to watch a grown man cry about a soccer game. I'll just let you listen. It's amazing. Bamontiel! 
Okay, let's get to the NFL. The big story this week, obviously, Jalen Hurts sprained shoulder. The Eagles have been flying high this season. Hurts is an MVP favorite, but now there are reports he could miss this Saturday's game against the Cowboys. Hopefully, hopefully no more than that, but this is a huge meeting. This is the game we've all been waiting for. Obviously, I think the Niners have been dubbed uh, either tied with the Eagles for the best team in the NFC or second best. I still think the Cowboys can be formidable regardless of that blown lead versus Jacksonville. I think that says more about Jacksonville than it did about the Cowboys to me. But either way, we need Jalen Hurts healthy to really experience what the Eagles could do. It's nice that the Eagles have built this lead, although they can get caught for the first round by and the one seed the Niners could catch them I mean I guess the Vikings can catch them but I don't think that's likely and you know I think the Cowboys are just too far behind but without them yeah I I I do worry a little bit about what's going to go on it does seem like he'll be ready for the playoffs this is where it's helpful to have a Gardner Minshew who I've always been a fan of I think he could get you maybe they don't beat the Cowboys I don't know I think he's good enough probably to beat the Giants and maybe lock up that one seed but yeah, this isn't great. And, you know, it definitely helps the Giants who might be playing them, I think, the last week of the year. I don't know if we see Jalen Hurts, even if healthy, because the Eagles, it's still a big game because the Eagles are going to want to lock up that one seed and rest Jalen Hurts. Do you know what the spread is? Oh, God. what did it move to now? I don't know. I, I, well, I don't... I'm a little surprised. It favors the Cowboys. I'm not surprised. Okay. And it's in Dallas, obviously. Minus five and a half. That's a little surprising because I yeah. do think Minshew's capable. And also they just have wep- Philly has weapons everywhere. And the Cowboys have a really good defense, but their their secondary is a mess with injuries. And Trevor Lawrence and Jacksonville just lit them up. So that's yeah. a little high. I, I like the Eagles with the not to win, but I love the points. Yeah. Okay, we saw some more brutal losses this week. It was a weird weekend. So Matt Ryan, we gotta start there. Once again, on the wrong side of a historic collapse as the Colts blew a 33-0 halftime lead to the Vikings. Look, Matt got tight. You could just like see it on his face, his body language, where Kirk Cousins got loose. You love to see that. Love a loose Kirk Cousins. So Matt Ryan now owns a horrible spot in NFL history as being at the helm of two of the greatest collapses in NFL history. One in any game ever, that one. One in a Super Bowl, up 28-3 to lose to Tom Brady. But Jerry, what's the takeaway? Who's to blame here? Is it Jeff Saturday? Is it Matt Ryan? Well, my main takeaway is, look, this is not a good part of history for Matt Ryan to be affiliated with both of these losses, but let's not kid ourselves. This was bad. Yeah, sure. It's the worst. It's the biggest comeback ever. Blah, blah, blah. I get it. That sucks. The Super Bowl thing, that's one. That he'll be thinking about that one. He's not going to mm-hmm. be thinking about this game against the Vikings with Jeff Saturday as his coach. You Good can't point. pin this on Matt Ryan. Does he maybe get a little tight with some of his throws? Sure. But also, the defense didn't help him out at all. Jeff Saturday and the coaching staff certainly didn't help him out at all. So you cannot blame Matt Ryan. It's a team loss. But I would give the emphasis on the coaching and the play calling. The play calling got tight. But uh, yeah, this sucks. But I don't 
Although I guess the Colts could have had a playoff shot had they won this game. Somehow they would have still been, you know, alive. But wrap it up, Colts. I think that's, uh, I don't yeah. know how you bounce back. I'm curious to see how they bounce back against the Chargers. But that, that, that was tough. Okay, the next one that was just weird. The Raiders completely stunned the Patriots with a lateral pass gone wrong. So the Pats could have ran out the clock and went to overtime. But for some Weird, weird reason. Jacoby Myers tried to be a hero, toss it back to Mac Jones, but Chandler Jones, who the Patriots had cut, intercepted it. Walk-off touchdown. What a mess. And here's my thing. Even if Mac caught it, he's so immobile. I don't know what the plan was if he had caught it. He would have been toast. So, of course, Chandler Jones was right there. So, yeah, this loss to me is much harder to take if you're a Patriots fan because first and foremost, you're now seven and seven with that loss. You should or could have been eight and six had you gotten into overtime and maybe won it. So that would have put you tied for the seven. Basically, six, seven, eight would have been a log jam with the Chargers, Dolphins, and Patriots all eight and six. Now you're seven and seven, still have some hope. But that was one you, you should. I mean, you can't say they would have won it in overtime for sure, although they had chances to lock that game up. That just was a weird, unlike a Bill Belichick game. I do give. You know, yeah. Jacoby credit for like sitting up and doing the press conference and taking questions. He did not shy away from the mistake in the moment. And props to him. That was like that takes uh, a lot of guts to do that after a moment like that. But yeah, that one, that one's gonna haunt the Patriots because it doesn't finish their playoff chances. But it's, it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be uphill from here on out with that loss. Then the third one, and I've been excited to ask your opinion on this one because everyone on Twitter sure has one. The Commanders and the Giants. So the Commanders lose. After several controversial calls at the end of the game uh, involving Terry McLaurin pointing over to the ref, what? Oh, a little violin action. A little okay. violin. Okay. What is your take on this? As someone who has been on the wrong side of those calls as a Giant fan, and there, there, there's been a bunch, that certainly sucks if you're a Commanders fan. Because, yeah, that was PI. You could say it in the end zone. You could have called it. I think it's a, it's a little, I mean, they were definitely boxing out and jostling for position, but yes, he then wrapped him up. But here's what gets me about the arguments. People who are saying, you have to be willing to call pa- pass interference with the game on the line. Why are these refs don't want, they don't want to call pass interference. Why? Because the game's on the line. You got to call it. Then are also mad. How do you call Terry McLaurin for offsides at that point in the game? If it goes both ways and it goes both ways, you can't get mad at the Terry McLaurin call. And then get mad at the non-PI call. Look, it sucks. There was a lot of bad calls in that game. Also, like we saw it with the Vikings missing the foot. This is happening everywhere. So don't blame like the Giants potentially making the playoffs and the Commanders not making the playoffs on this game. There was also holding on, on, on Thibodeau. And he got basically punched in the face and poked in the eye and a face mask not called. There was tons of awful missed calls or wrong calls in that game. They called a dead ball on a fumble that was clearly a fumble yeah. that, you know, the Giants did get, end up winning that challenge. But who knows? Maybe Leonard Williams could have got up and advanced the ball 30 more yards. It was an awfully, awful officiated game. Not the reason why the Commanders uh, lost the game. I'm sorry. And you still have hope. Okay. I'm I out of breath. An opinion. Yeah. <laughs> Take a breath. Um, okay. The NFC South is terrible. So who takes it? The Bucks, the Saints, the Falcons, the Panthers. You got to look at what the Bucks did this past week because the Bengals had something to prove after Tom Brady called their defense fairly tough, quote, which honestly, 
and, and I can't wait to ask Fred about this later in the show. Fred, it sounds like we're old friends. <laughs> My buddy um, Fred. Yeah, yeah, Fred Jackson. We, uh, fairly tough, I don't think is like much of an insult. And, and when you looked at the whole quote, Brady said, he's like, they've got a great young quarterback. They have a lot of weapons and they have a fairly tough defense. Not that abrasive of a comment, but boy, did the Bengals defense take it differently. Yeah, and I would say the Bengals are better than a fairly good defense. Uh, I will say, however, Tom Brady has played some of the best defenses ever to play football over the last 22 years. So I bas- I, th- I read that as he's saying, you know, this isn't, this isn't the, 20, the 2007 yeah. Giants defense, but they're a good defense. If you would have gotten rid of the word fairly and said, this is a tough Bengals defense, no one would have cared. I don't know yep. if that would... Bottom line is the Bengals are significantly better than the Bucs in every area of the game. Bucks got out to as good of a lead as they could have started with, and it still wasn't enough. So, uh, yeah, a lot of people talking about that. I don't know. I, I as someone who did wanted, I, I mean, I did want to bet Tampa. I thought that I liked them in this spot, and that was a great start. The Bengals are just on another level, and the Bengals still have levels to go. They're going to get even healthier. They still have a DB to get back. Like they're going to get even healthier. So they're peaking at the right time. Yeah, Bengals defense, remember, it took until week eight for a team yeah. to even score a second-half touchdown on them. And uh, they had yet to allow a 300-yard passer. And in this game, Tom Brady threw two interceptions, and the Bucks started the second half with five straight possessions with the turnover. So, yeah, Bengals defense had something to prove. Bengals are hot, hot, hot. Yeah, you did mention, though, the NFC South. Should we stay in the South for a second? Because this is I mean, banana sandwiches. Are they going to pull straws? <laughs> like, what are we going to do? Well, the funny thing is, and you know me, I love to see what teams have ahead when the schedule. The Bucks go at Arizona with, uh, you know, no quarterback mm-hmm. in sight there. So they yep. should win that game. And then they finish with two divisional games. They finish with home against Carolina at Atlanta. The Saints, who are a Mark Ingram, stay in bounds away from maybe being in the driver's seat of this division. They go at Browns, which the Browns have proven to be tough. At least you have to go beat them at Eagles, which that looked horrible on the schedule. Maybe it's a little better if no hurts. And then, of course, they play versus the Panthers. All four of these teams play each other in the final week of the season. What are the odds of both of those games ending in a tie? I would not be surprised. Because then the Falcons go Ravens, Cardinals, and the Bucks, like I said, and the Panthers go Lions. Don't underestimate this Panthers-Lions game. That is huge because the Lions need it. The Panthers really are the team that could have ran away with this division. They've given away three games earlier in the year. Uh, and the Panthers go Lions and an at-Bucks, at-Saints. So in a weird way, the Panthers could control their own destiny right. if they win out. Right. No, my gosh, it's it's crazy when you put it all out there like that. It is exhausting. Do you need another breath? If you had a pick, though, if you had to pick mm. a team to come out of the South with everything I just laid out, the Bucks do have the one game lead on everyone else. And I think the Bucks are three and one in the division and the Panthers are three and one in the division. Is there a team that you lean toward? I guess Tampa Bay just because of Tom, you know, it's, yeah, you know, my, my buddy Tom, just because it feels like if he's in the division, you can't count him out. Yeah, and I do think they maybe have the easy. They're catching the Cardinals at a great time. The Panthers are ultimate Jekyll and Hyde. Right, and they finish at Atlanta, which, you know, with their quarterback change, maybe that's not as tough of a game, but I don't This is... Because then that affects everything else. Whoever wins this crazy division, and I can't believe someone's going to... Someone is going to have to go win a playoff game in yeah. Tampa. 
uh, you know, New Orleans, Atlanta, or Carolina. And I think that's probably going to be, what, the, the Cowboys, who I think are locked in at the five seed or yeah, whatever. I mean, it's insane that we have to watch a home. Maybe we, in the future, just give the home field advantage to the team with the, the wild card team with the better record. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is Christmas week. So I think we should each make our wish, our, our Christmas wish, but as it pertains to sports. And I think he knows, you know what mine's going to be because I thought I was dead in the water. I thought I had completely retired all of my green. I thought I was switching to my other team, the Chiefs, and just going to ride them all the way, even though the Chiefs didn't give me much to cheer about last week. But it's a lie for the Packers. There's still hope. <laughs> so let me just run through this because this is my Christmas wish. They need to run the table to be nine and eight because getting an NFC wild card should at least require an above 500 record. So the Giants finish with the Vikings, Colts, and Eagles with a chance to face Philly week 18, those backups, like you mentioned. Commanders still need to play the 49ers, Browns, and Cowboys. Okay, so we've, we've walked through that. But the Lions play at the Panthers and host the Bears. The Lions play at Panthers, hosting the Bears. That's their next two weeks. So pretty favorable matchups, although not, not, not a cakewalk. That's before they face the Packers. So obviously then Packers would have to beat the Lions. Seahawks need to deal with the Chiefs and Jets until they face the Rams at home, finish the season. Okay, so the Packers need to take care of their schedule, but they need to get a lot of breaks from the other. <laughs> so I think they have like a 5% chance right now of making the playoffs. Um, yeah, but if they, they lose a game, they're out. They and and it starts here. Like it's do they go into beautiful Miami on Christmas Day uh, to deliver help start to deliver? You're you're like Cindy Who in the Grinch writing the letter to Santa. You're hoping for a Christmas miracle, yeah. Olivia. But it can't happen. They just need the Lions to lose one of these games to Carolina or the Bears, which that would go a long way. Although I don't, I don't think you're gonna get your Christmas miracle. I'm sorry. Well, that's why it's a miracle. If, if not this time of year, then when? Yeah. Okay, look, at least you're still mathematically alive, which is more than yeah. I thought. I did not There's think you'd be at this point in the podcast. Do you want to hear my Christmas wish? Please. And I, Look, if you would have told me whose wish was more of a miracle at the beginning of the season, it would have been mine. The odds mm. would have been mine is more of a miracle. Dear Santa, I've been a very good boy this year. Mm -hmm. I have not gotten into any trouble. I've mm -mm. done all my chores. I've been a mm -hmm. good dad. I've been a good husband. I've tried to be a good podcast host. Mm -hmm. All I want for Christmas is for the Knicks to make the playoffs. Not the play-in <laughs> game, the playoffs. Surging with seven in a row. We tape this on a Tuesday. Who knows what will be after this airs. Mm -hmm. But I see it now. I'm getting pulled back in. Come on, Santa. Come down the chimney and deliver me a Knicks playoff berth. Thank you. Okay, so obviously you get to see your Knicks on Christmas. They host the 76ers. That's going to be a good one. Bucks at Celtics. That's probably the best game on the slate Christmas Day. But yeah, a lot of good NBA coming up. I do think it's interesting that the NFL decide, you know, not that they decided because Christmas Day is on Sunday. So there always is going to be football. But, you know, they're kind of going head to head with the NBA yeah. who's always owned Christmas Day, regardless of what day it falls on. I'm not going to lie. Your Packers Dolphins matchup is the best game of Christmas Day because then you go Broncos Rams, I can't even name you who the quarterbacks uh, are going to be. Then you go Tampa Bay and Brady versus, I don't know who's quarterbacking in Arizona. I will be glued to the NBA. The Knicks are finally back on Christmas Day. They always used to play on Christmas Day. I spent a good amount of my 30s because in my family, 
Christmas Eve was always like the bigger holiday because that's what we spent yes. on my mom's side. And my dad's side was not nearly as big and haven't really kept as much as close with them as I would have liked to. So Christmas Eve was the big one. Wait, is mom's side Italian too? Yes. Okay. And then Christmas Day, I would always go. Me and I take my same friend Gerard every year. We were almost like orphans on Christmas Day. We'd <laughs> go to the Knicks game. And they never really won on Christmas Day, but it was a great tradition. And then they, it got so bad, they took the Knicks off Christmas Day. And now they're back. That's the game of the day. Although Bucks Celtics might have something to say about that. But I think the Knicks Sixers, I'm glued to the TV on NBA. NFL, I'll be watching. But uh, I'll be watching. NBA will be on the bigger TV. Okay. I like that. Yeah. Christmas Day NBA just feels right. But I think you made a good point. NFL is not scared to go head to head in that meeting because... NFL really does. Whenever you look up like TV ratings, NFL's king always. Yeah. And I guess if you looked at those matchups before the season, like, oh, Rodgers versus Miami, that's a great game. And then you got Russell Wilson versus Matthew Stafford and defending champion Rams and yeah. Brady versus Kyler Murray in a, in a 820 West. Yeah. Well, we're, it didn't work out that way. Sorry. No. All right, Jerry, it's that time of the show where we need to just say what's on our mind and unleash. It's time to unleash. So here's my unleash. R-E-L-A-X. Let me explain. So my uncle is an agent. He represents NFL and college coaches. So at our Thanksgiving table growing up, he was always really busy working the phones because on Thanksgiving, that's when college coaches are fired. In the NFL, it's called Black Monday, the day after the last regular season game, January 9th, by the way, this year. So because my uncle's an agent, I'm always really in tune to these key days on the calendar, on the sports calendar. And especially this week when I saw this, the NFL has come out saying that teams have paid about $800 million in fired coaches and front office execs over the last five years. They are urging teams to be more patient and to not waste this money. A perfect example, Jerry, your Giants. They're currently paying three different head coaches this season. Pat Shermer, who was fired nearly three years ago. That was only two years into his five-year deal. And then two years later, the team fired Joe Judge, who also only coached two years into his five-year deal. And then, of course, now they're paying Dayball. I mean, it's pretty crazy. Last year saw nine teams part ways with their head coaches. Bears, Broncos, Texans, Jaguars, Raiders, Dolphins, Vikings, Saints, and Giants, of course. So far this season, two head coaches have already been fired. That's Panthers and Colts, Frank Reich, obviously. And the Titans also have fired their general manager. So this is a trend that we are always going to see. Black Monday is coming up, and we're going to see this happening. But I think the average fan needs to realize how much teams have to end up paying to fire their coaches and fans are so impatient and just say, get them out of here, you know? And that's my unleashed is R E L A X. Sometimes it's not that one man in the room that's causing all the issues. That is a amazing unleashed best gig, I guess in town is to be a fired NFL coach. Cause if you are, I, I love mean, that. That's great. I mean, isn't like Sean Payton still getting paid? I don't I even so. know. Yeah. Like, it, it just sounds amazing. I'm, not, I'm sure these guys love to work and want to be coaching, but it also sounds amazing. I will say in the Giants case, though, great case you laid out. I mean, Shermer, yeah. Judge, no Huge disrespect. You're right. But I don't know if those are NFL head coaches, because then when you see what a guy like Dable's doing with kind of the same ingredients, pretty much. 
yeah. uh, it, it goes a long way. But I will say the flip side is Dan Campbell and the Lions, who one and six could have absolutely been fired. They stayed patient and that's worked out. Great Unleashed. That's um, what I'm saying. That's what teams need to do. Need yeah, to Great Unleashed. Believe, believe. So for my Unleashed, I just need your help. I need you to give me, this is more of a question than a statement, okay? And it doesn't have to do with any professional sports. So I love basketball. You know this. I still play basketball. Not nearly. I would love to play with Sam one day, but that would be like a joke <laughs> for him. So me and a couple of buddies meet up at the local rec center here after we drop our kids off from school at 830 in the morning. And we play adorable. a very light, like two on two, three on three, a lot of three point shots. So they have a curtain down the halfway part of the gym. Half the gym's for basketball. The other half is for the, the pickleball. And oh. uh, I hope you're all listening. I don't think any of these senior citizens are listening to our podcast. I hope you are because I want the smoke. <laughs> they get about 40, 50 people for these two pickleball courts that they get. So here's what happens every single time we play. Me and my buddies are playing. I know there's only four of us. And right when the 50th pickleballer walks in, they start coming around the curtain and looking at us and looking at their oh, watches no. and motioning. There's no one under 70 years old, by the way. Now they've, they've officially approached us. They come over and I can't keep my mouth shut, but I was taught to respect my elders. And they're basically like, would you guys mind playing on the side hoop? You know about the side hoop. You don't even oh, get a three-point no. line on the side hoop. So we can get an extra pickleball court so four more of us could play and we don't have to wait as long. My initial reaction was... Do they know who I am? No, my initial reaction was, um, no. You guys <laughs> get half the court. We get half the court. We come here for an hour. You're here for four hours. We'll be done in 20 minutes. Is that cool? Cool. The whole time they're watching us. Just like throwing bad old people juju at us. Just like, I just feel it coming. They're just they're judging us. Then they sent over their leader, this, this really nice older woman who came over and was like, guys, you guys should try pickleball. You're young. You'll be really good. I've never played pickleball. Now they're recruiting us oh, for pickleball. So my question to you listeners and Olivia from My Unleashed is, number one, do I go to the side court with my three friends? and play not, no three-point shooting <laughs> pickup basketball to give them one more court? Or do I hold the line? Part B is, do I just start playing pickleball and dominate in 2023 because I'm 30 years younger than everyone? Can I also just let the listeners know a story that you told us off air that you think you got tennis elbow from picking up a Brita pitcher? <laughs> that did happen. So, That's true. I think I'm everyone needs to keep this in mind when you answer this question. Um, boy, pickleball has like swept the nation. My friends are all playing and it's families are playing. So maybe this is something you should get into. I've never played. I don't know. So, okay. Pickleball aside, do I give up the real estate? Do I give up the half, no. the half regulation half court so they could have another little pickleball court and then we go play on the side hoop? Nope. You hold firm because you have, you know, Jerry, you mentioned on the show a lot, you're aging in front of me. and. <laughs> I don't know how many good basketball years you have left, so you need to protect them. I got to get a ring. I'm trying to get a ring. Okay, so I will respectfully, when they look at me tomorrow when we're playing 2-1-2, I will respectfully Ooh. decline to move to the side hoop because they are my elders, and I do have respect for my elders. It's a bad day to be an old person playing pickleball in Cleveland. <laughs> I'll tell you that. It's, it's, I would not want to mess with you. Yikes. Oh, I got issues. That's a good unleashed. All right, let's get to someone who uh, 
would never hurt their elbow picking up a Brita pitcher <laughs> or, or play pickleball at a rec center with some oldies. Let's get over to Fred Jackson. Jerry, I'm noticing a trend that we keep getting Bills players on the show. Why are you letting this happen? You're this big Giants fan. Listen, I'm a big Giants fan, but uh, I can't say that I have not enjoyed the way the Bills have played. I am also a big fan of our next guest. His whole career has been um, something I've followed really, really closely. Do you want to take it from here? Because we have someone who's the first player in NFL history to compile both 1,000 rushing yards and kick returns in the same season. What? That's insane. All right, everyone. We know Buffalo's listening. It's Fred Jackson. Fred, how you doing? Not too bad, man. And I really appreciate you guys having me on. You know, I first got to ask about your background here. And for those who are watching on YouTube, they can see it. For those listening on the podcast, they're going to have to just use your imagination. But walk us through the jerseys. And is there a special story that goes with each one of doing a jersey swap? Without a doubt. It's one of those deals that has kind of grown over the years. Back when I was doing it, we weren't swapping as much as guys do now. Yeah. You, know, it, you see it all over social media and stuff now where guys are getting jerseys from everybody. But Marshawn, actually, it took me until I left Buffalo to get to Seattle for me to get a jersey from him. I had to actually chase him down. So there's a story <laughs> with that one. Drew Brees is Drew Brees. He was, I was always a fan of his. And when they came to play in Buffalo, the restaurant that I owned out there, I was like, bring me a jersey. Everything else is taken care of. I'll uh, take care of the meal and all that. Would you guys come hang out? All I want is a jersey. So he was obviously gracious enough to do that. Vaughn is Vaughn. You want one. And the cam is right here. But I have a bunch of different jerseys, just guys that I respected and loved playing with. Teammates are over on the wall behind us. And and then I have, you know, I even have a Abby Wambach and a, a Carly Lord cool. jersey, jersey that are hanging up. I just like to collect the people that I've respected and, and guys that I love playing against. And it's great to be able to have them up on the wall down here in the man cave. Carly Lloyd Jersey. That is a hard sentence to say. That's a really right? impressive collection you got there. I'm a Packer fan. So I love the Rogers yeah. Jersey there. Was Aaron pretty generous giving that one up? Without a doubt. So Aaron and I have, you know, I played him two or three times and we both respected. Like, I mean, I can read what it says. It says, congrats, man. Love the way you played. Always been a fan. So same respect for him. You know, I love the way he plays and still playing. It's not going the way that he wants him to for the season, but he's still still a dynamic player. First ballot Hall of Famer. There's still a chance. There's still a chance. There's still a chance. There's a tiny uh -huh. chance. Mm -hmm. yeah, Fred, earlier we were talking, obviously this was a crazy weekend in the NFL. There was some gut-wrenching losses this past week. Two things. One, I guess, do you remember your toughest loss similar to the endings that we kind of saw? And is there a game that you still think about that one that you're just not quite over still? Or have you healed from everything? You know what? I think being a competitor, you never heal from them. But I mean, the most recent that I can think of is we went out and played in a black hole when Oakland was still out in Oakland and yeah. uh, or the Raiders were still out in Oakland. And we needed to win that game to keep our playoff hopes alive. And we went in there and Charles Woodson was Charles Woodson and ended the game on us. And that's, you know, a different story. But I think that's probably the one where he had a chance at the end of the game and he made a play to end it. And, um, you know, that basically ended my career in Buffalo because, you know, mm. the next year I was off to Seattle. So that's probably the one that sticks out the most to me. How does the team get over losing a 33-point lead then or even losing a game like the Patriots did this weekend? What can a coach possibly say in the locker room after a game like that? Uh, you know what? I don't know. I think as players and the captains of the team, I think the number one thing you have to say is 
we get another opportunity next week to go out and mm. showcase what we're capable of doing and that that's not us. You know, it's going to be a bitter taste. There's no way you can ever say that you're over giving up a 33-point lead. That's always going to be something that haunts those guys. And unfortunately, it's something in the record books now that, mm. you know, every time it gets brought up about leads and, and giving up, you know, Matt Ryan here is about 28-3 every time he plays against anybody and they have a lead. So, But I think that's the number one thing is in the game of football, it's so humbling that you have to have a short-term memory. You have to be able to get over things like that. And especially this late in the season for those guys, you know, they, they start playing. They have to realize they're playing for their jobs. They're playing for their livelihoods, where their families are going to be, be at at the end of the season. And I think that's what you look at and what takes precedent on what you're looking at the rest of the season and not this debacle of a game that you had last weekend. Brett, I would love a player point of view here because I talked about this earlier in the show and I don't know if there's a way to fix it, but the NFC South this year, let's just be honest, it has not been a graceful thing, right? We have not watched good football from any of the teams. I, I don't know who is going to, I mean, they all play each other in the final week of the season. I wouldn't be shocked if both games were a tie. That's how weird the <laughs> NFC South has been. But so if you're another team like the Lions or the Seahawks or even Olivia's Packers who may end up squeaking out eight or nine wins, we might very well see a seven and 10 team in the playoffs. So as a player, if you're on one of those other teams that doesn't get in, even though you might be nine and eight and might be watching, what does that feel like? And is there a way we could fix this? Because that's this is going to be a rough one watching the NFC South playoff team. Yeah, I think the number one thing you take in into account when you're a player and you see that happen is. You don't blame them like you don't blame those guys for the season that they had. You say if we wanted to get in the playoffs, that's on us. You know, go go handle the business that we can take care of. Go win our division. Ensure our road to the playoffs is taken care of and not relying on what's happening somewhere else. I think that's the only way as a player, you know, you get over something like that. When you start a season, your number one goal is win our division. That guarantees us a road to the playoffs. And I think that's the only way you can look at it. As much as you don't want to, you have to say, those guys did enough to get into the playoffs. It might not be Mm -hmm. a lot, but they did what they had to to get in the playoffs, and we didn't. So that's how I would look at it and how I would, you know, try and justify it to the team being in that locker room. But, I mean, it's always going to be a tough pill to swallow knowing that. Okay, last beat on that. Then can we at least say the road for the first round should not go through Tampa? Or Carolina. Can we at least say that's a road game for the division winner? Because you might have the Cowboys sitting at 11 wins or whoever, or even the Giant, my, my New York Giants at 10 wins going on the road to a seven-win team. Would that be a terrible thing to say they don't get a home game? I don't think so. I think, you know, I always, I always go back to this. You know, when the Saints went into Seattle and we had the Beastquake, you know, that's mm-hmm. a huge advantage for Seattle winning their division. So you also don't want to take that from them. You know, right. and in the fact that, you know, this gives us a chance to win. We got in at, I think they were seven and nine that year or something seven like that. Seven and nine, yeah. yeah. And we did enough to get into the playoffs. Now you come here and beat us. If we're not, if you're looking at us saying we're not good enough to be in the playoffs, then you should be able to beat us wherever we play. So I think that's also, you know, the other side of the coin, so to speak. If you don't think these guys belong, then just go beat them where you have to go beat them at. And then you got to face guys like Marshawn, who's, creating earthquakes when he's running. So <laughs> yeah, there's always, always a different b- bunch of different ways you can look at it. 
Speaking of seeding, the Bills are holding on to that top seed in the AFC. Buffalo beat Kansas City week six in Kansas City, 24 to 20, in a highly anticipated meeting. But they travel to Cincy on week 17 in Monday Night Football. Who do you think gives them a tougher matchup as the Bengals are really getting hot right now? I think it's they both have tremendous quarterback play and tremendous guys around the quarterbacks that are going to give, you know, those guys absolute fit. So I think you're you flipping you're flipping a coin at this point with the way that Cincinnati's playing right now. They are one of the hottest teams in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. And with Andy Reid at his side, those guys are always capable of winning every game that they play. So if you're a Bills fan, you're just saying, I hope our guys show up. I hope Josh is Josh and makes plays Mm -hmm. that Josh is capable of making. But no, it's going to be a shootout. It's going to be who makes the least amount of mistakes in those games because it's going to be two great teams. It's going to be two great offenses going at it, putting up a lot of points, you know, which is what guys want to see around the league. But I think you're picking your poison. You know, you're you're going to go against both teams are great. You're going to have to show up and beat whoever it is you play. They're not going to hand you the game no matter who it is that you're facing. And on that note, the Bengals clearly had something to prove this last weekend when they faced Tom Brady and the Buccaneers after Brady said, what, a fairly tough defense. They seem to take big offense to that. Did you like as a player having that bulletin board material in any given week? Well, I think it doesn't hurt to have bulletin Mm -hmm. board material at all. You're motivating a lot of people when you give them bulletin board material. But I think guys as competitors at the pinnacle of the sport are going to show up and be ready to play anyway especially when you're going against a guy like Tom Brady, you know, who's the best to ever play this sport. Defenses are going to show up week in and week out to compete against him. For him, I wouldn't really give guys bulletin board material because they want to beat him anyway. You know, they want to say, all right, I got Tom Brady. You know, if this is his last year, I gave him a loss when I played against him. So I wouldn't recommend that he continues to do that. You mentioned Marshawn Lynch earlier. You know, I know in your first few years in Buffalo, you guys shared the backfield. What was he like as a teammate? Because every now and then they, they would mic him up, right, on the sidelines. And he would be talking about everything but football, I feel like, when we would listen to him mic'd up. Yeah. Almost like he was so just at ease with the game. I know nothing about it's easy. And you two were my, literally my favorite backfield to watch. And I think modern day right now, you two would be the ideal NFL backfield to have. Yeah. And that was the thing about Marshawn. One, you won't meet anybody that had an opportunity to play with him that has bad things to say about him as a football player, as a teammate. You know, even in the locker room, not on the football field, he was just an absolute joy to be around. And, um, you know, anytime you get a guy like that and knowing the work ethic that he brings to the field and how he plays and what he leaves out on the field, he's just a guy that everybody gravitates to towards. The game was easy to him. You meet those players that, Every now and then you come across somebody and you're just like, how is this guy doing this? You know, how is he capable of doing this? We're talking about Thanksgiving and going to spread turkeys in my community. And he's out here rushing for three touchdowns. I love that. um, That's that's who he is. And that was the epitome of Marshawn. All this mic'd up stuff you see, I tell guys around here all the time. I'm like, that is him. That's not him putting on a show. That is Marshawn Lynch through and through. And that's why guys love him and gravitate towards him and why he can be Marshawn Lynch whenever he's anywhere and everywhere he is around. It could be a two-year-old or a 40-year-old. You're going to get the same person. So, 
Now, Fred, when you played in Buffalo, the Bills Mafia was a thing, but it's not. It wasn't as crazy as it is now, right? You never jumped through a table, have you? Table jumping and the condiment men and all that <laughs> stuff, that's all, you know, relatively new. But yeah, yeah. They were still, it was still Bills Mafia, but not to the extent that it is now. I just always wondered, you know, we're watching on TV as fans. I'm freezing just watching you guys. What on earth are you guys doing to stay warm? Especially when, like, the, if the other team has a long drive. I mean, they're just heaters cranking. You're just standing right on those heaters. What are yeah. you guys doing in that freezing weather? It's a combination of things. It's easy when you're on the field because when you're on the right. field, you're worried about, you know, this 300-pound dude that's trying to take <laughs> your head off. That's easy to forget about the cold. But, man, you're doing everything. Those big jackets. You see guys running as soon as there's a timeout, running over to the guys that put the jackets on them. When we played in Minnesota when I was in Seattle and we played on the, in the, one of the coldest games ever, they had like little boots and stuff that we can stick our feet in and hand warmers that we had all of this stuff on. There's a lot of different things over sitting on the sideline because one of the things that you don't realize is how you have no dexterity in your fingers when you get so cold. Yeah. So that you're trying to do everything you can. That's why you see quarterbacks with constantly putting their hands in hand warmers and stuff like that so you can grip the football. There's a bunch of little things that they have going on. We have chicken broth that we can sip on the sideline that they're in these giant coolers. There's all kinds of stuff that they try and do to help. But just, I mean, you, like I said, there's these big things that slip over your legs, things that go over your arms, coats, chicken broth, and then all that. And then you rip all that stuff off and run on the field and try and play a football game. You know, you mentioned Von Miller earlier. He's one of your jerseys. He was having such a great year before his injury, led the team in sacks with eight, really added that pressure on opposing quarterbacks, something important as we talk about going against the Mahomes, the Burroughs. How much of a loss is he for the Bills defense now that we're seeing that play out? Obviously, you don't replace a guy like Von Miller. There's just no way to do that. You know, he's a Hall of Famer, in my opinion. You know, and a lot of people would agree with that. But he did such a tremendous job. I watched the Bills week in and week out teaching those guys behind him. And you see the way that their game is elevated on how he's he's continuing to be in their ear and have Greg Russo is one guy that I've really watched. Epinesa is another guy that has taken his game to another level. And one guy that I'm really impressed with, and you can tell it's from being around Vaughn, is Shaq Lawson. Shaq Lawson has taken his game to the next level. And I think that's what it is. You know, it has to be a group effort. It has to be all of those guys playing, feeding off of each other. And that's exactly what you hear from those guys in every press conference that they, they do is we can't replace Von Miller, but we can go out and we can be our best selves, be pretty damn close. And that's what those guys are trying to do. You played for, in my opinion, I think two of the best or two of the five, say, best fan bases in football, Buffalo and Seattle, and also two amazing home field advantages. Is there one that you feel like, not more intimidating, but what would be the, in your opinion, tougher road game going into Seattle with that noise or going into Buffalo in January with, like, as you said, can't feel your fingers? Well, I mean, obviously playing in Seattle is a daunting thing. You know, when they get that, that, that fan base behind them, it's hard to hear. And, you know, I said it about my daughter before she's been in, she always wore noise canceling headphones and would sleep when she was a baby. And she couldn't do it in Seattle. Wow. But there's nothing like playing in Buffalo when the weather's the way that it is and the fan base is behind you, you know, where you're dealing with, you know, swirling winds when you're trying to kick kicks and snow beating you in the face where you're trying to run down the field and catch a ball. You have to have a big, strong arm. That's a reason they took Josh Allen to guide the ball through the wind. 
and you he's able to pick you know the knowledge of guys like Jim Kelly and how you navigate all that. So it's easily Buffalo to me. You know, it's hard to come into Buffalo in January and play, especially when you're playing a good team and figure out ways to navigate not only beating this team, but the weather and how it is we have to acclimate to that in this short period of time that we get to be in it. Should the Bills build a dome on their new stadium? You know what? You would make so many people in Bills Mafia mad if they did that. (laughs) Including Josh Allen. Josh Allen says it's soft. It has to be open air. You know, it has to be an open air. And like we said, continue to allow those elements to be a part of their advantage when guys come in there and play. I said that the team that it mattered to the most was when I played the Dolphins. Obviously, this Dolphins game this past week was a great game. But there's been times when I've played and I was like, these guys do not want to play football in this weather today. And it was a huge advantage for us. So you, you got to have that in your back pocket. And anytime you do, you, you want every advantage you can get in the NFL. Is there any inverse to that? I mean, look, no one's going to complain. You know, I think, Olivia, I think your Packers are going into Miami for a Christmas game or whatever. Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to complain going into Miami to play. But Miami in September, that's a whole different thing. 89 degrees. Humid, like, is there a little bit of a home field advantage playing down south? With, I mean, you get guys carted off because they're just exhausted, oxygen everywhere, fluids and stuff like that. 100%. And you saw it in the game with the Bills playing in Miami. You saw how exhausted those guys were, how they're taking IVs and stuff at halftime, and it's not helping. And kudos to Miami for also building a stadium where the sun is signing directly on the opposing team. All those little minute advantages that you get, they add up at the end of it. So there's definitely an advantage of playing in the South, you know, early in September and stuff like that, you know, throughout the season. I know you've been asked about your journey a million times, but for our listenership, if if anyone's not familiar, it's really an incredible story, especially right now. We're talking so much about Brock Purdy being Mr. Irrelevant. The guys who have an even bigger chip on their shoulder are undrafted guys, and that includes you. From what I understand, and correct me if I'm wrong, no scholarship offers out of high school in Texas, undrafted out of Coe College, a D3 in Iowa, played arena football, then NFL Europe, and then finally to the NFL. I guess I'm curious, in that span before your NFL dreams were realized, did you need help staying motivated or was that just not going anywhere? It was a combination of both. You know, I was always a self-motivated person, but I did surround myself with people who had the same dream that I did. And I think that's the number one thing I tell any young kid that wants to play in the NFL. It's not going to be easy. There are 1,800 jobs in the world to play in the NFL. So to get one of those 1,800 jobs, you're going to have to do something special. But it's easier if you surround yourself with people that are going to help you and keep you motivated to chase that dream. That's the number one thing you can do is have people that are going to continue to push you. There's going to be days you don't want to do stuff. It's human nature. I don't want to get up and go work out. I don't want to get up and film this, this training session so that I can have it to show people But if you have people that are like, no, you don't get to do that today. You know, you don't get to take this day off. You have to go work out. It's going to make that motivation. You're going to be motivated because, you know, those people are behind you just as well. You want to fulfill your dream so they can be a part of it. Anytime you get people around you and are a self-motivated person like I was, you know, I was watching Reggie Bush was doing the same playing the same time in, in college that I was. And I wore number five and I was like you know, that's a pretty damn good back, but I feel like I can do the same thing. And I just need to get the opportunity to showcase that, which I'm at Division Three. He's playing at USC. 
that's a huge difference, but all I need is a chance. And I got my chance with Marv Levy. And uh, once he went back to Buffalo, I said, I'm not going to let you down, Marv. You know, I'm going to make, make the most of this opportunity that you're giving me. And, you know, one of the things I like to brag about is name another running back that was able to play 10 years, nine years in one organization where they drafted two first round running backs, you know, mm. top, yeah. top 12 at your position. And it's not, not something that you're going to hear from anywhere else. And that's one of my things that I wanted to be able to say is I had to work for everything that was given to me. And I wanted to granted, I love both of those guys to death. Marshawn and CJ Spiller were both are and still are great friends of mine, but they motivated me too. They said, you know what? We, we got drafted here, but we can see why you're still here. So continue to do what you're doing. We're going to push each other. They brought out the best of me and I tried to bring out the best in them. Do you feel like when you finally made it to the NFL that it meant more to you maybe than other guys who were first round draft picks or whatever? Absolutely. Had to have. Yeah. Yeah. Small things that I enjoyed about the game that, you know, not everybody else did because I knew what work it took to get there. I loved going to practice. You know, I loved getting up and being able to say what I get to do for practice or for a job is to go practice against the best guys in the world you know, at this sport that I love playing and love giving everything to. So, yes, there was absolutely things about the game that meant more to me and still meant more to me when I was competing against some of those guys than a lot of guys in that locker room. I was literally having a conversation a few weeks ago with my buddy where we're talking about running backs kind of from your generation and and now. And your name came up as like, who would be just like a perfect running back the way the NFL offense is sort of going today? So with that, I ask you, who are some of the guys that you like watching at running back specifically? Because obviously you're looking at it through a whole different lens than an average fan like me. So who are some of the running backs that you've enjoyed this year? One of the guys that I've enjoyed the most just watching him is Alvin Kamara. I love the way Alvin plays. Every down back, he does everything you ask for him. Aaron Jones is another guy that I absolutely love watching. He's a guy that you you split out wide and you throw him a ball like he's a wide receiver. I can't remember who it was, but but he has more reception yards than everybody else on the team as a running back, you know? So I said, I tell every, every running back, young running back that I talk to now, I say, Devin Singletary. I don't know how I left Devin, Devin Singletary out. He's absolute beast. And I love watching him because his number is not called on every week, but when his number is called, he's ready. He's ready to run routes. He's ready to catch the ball out of the backfield, pass protect, which I think is one of the biggest things we need to do as running backs. And he runs the ball well. So this day and age, man, you have to be able to do it all and watching some of these quarterbacks and being able to go out and pass protect for them and then know that they will come to you in a, a route. They say, hey, go out there and run a route for me. I would have had an absolute blast playing in, in today's football. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I feel like the Giants also would have loved you because the way they're using Saquon has just, yeah. he's leading yeah. the team in receptions, yeah. yards, touchdowns. Like the and, whole offense is built around one back. And I always felt like that was exactly your kind of game. You could build a whole offense around what you do. So Brian Dable is my favorite person to watch call offenses. And I told him all the time, I was like, man, I would have loved to play for you. The way you, you do these scheme up these offenses and stuff like this, man, it would have been an absolute nightmare for coaches to have to worry about me. Cause I would have been like, Dabes put me wherever and I'm going to get it done. So I tell him all the time, man, I talked to him two weeks ago. I said, man, continue to call these crazy offenses because you got a weapon that I think is going to be tremendous for you. Just last thing for me, I know we all get caught up in like the MVP conversations and candidates and all that. It's a fun conversation. I personally really believe that 
we should start looking at other players that are just not quarterbacks. Like you even mentioned yeah. a guy like Singletary. Obviously, he's not the league MVP, but for all the things he does, there's so much value there. Tyree Kill, there's so much value of what he does to the offense. But all that being said, from everything you've seen this year, as of right now, who do you kind of lean toward as the guy who should maybe walk away with that award later? I know there's still three very important yeah. weeks left. So You know what? I'm glad I don't have to make this decision because you know, it, it's you can't go wrong with the way that a lot of guys are playing this year. And it's funny because it kind of changes from week to week. Like, yeah, from I me mean, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, when Tua was playing as well as he was playing, you know, he deserved to be in the MVP conversation. Jalen Hurts has to be there. You know, they're the number one team in the league and quarterback is the most responsible. They get all the glory and they get all the hate when things go the wrong way. I'm a homer. I think Josh Allen in the way that they're playing, you don't get to be the number one seed in the AFC without playing well at quarterback. I think he definitely, you don't hear about him as much when he went through the, his lull kind of two, three weeks ago where they went through a lull and lost a couple of games. But I think absolutely he should be up there. One of the guys that I would say that's kind of, you know, I think should be getting a lot more attention is Justin Fields. That guy continues to do things that are unheard of at the quarterback position. And we don't really talk about it as much as we should because he is that dynamic of a, of a player. I'm actually not wanting the Bills to play them next week because I know what he brings to the table and how hard of a task it is going to be for them to go into Chicago and beat him. So, But you get guys that are playing well on defense that don't get enough attention and running backs that have played out of their minds. Saquon has been absolutely fantastic this year and should be getting some recognition at that and should be in the MVP conversation. But it's a quarterback-driven league, and that's usually who we, we end up, even as ex-players, that's who we look at and say, you know, this, this guy should be the MVP. Oh, don't get Jerry started. Uh, <laughs> he, I, I've he been screaming this, yeah. screaming this for weeks that, like, maybe just separate the awards then. I mean, I know they have Offensive Player of the Year, and that yeah. typically goes to, I, I get it, but Oh man, there's some there's just been some seasons this year that outside of the quarterback position mm -hmm. to me where it's really been glaring. Even on the defensive side of the ball, like you yeah. said, at least through like eight weeks, Micah Parsons single handedly was yeah. like the the number one defensive dude yeah. making plays and more touchdowns than a lot of wide receivers mm -hmm. on defense. So yeah. Fred, I, I can't thank you enough for being here. Your story is amazing. You've, you've always been one of my favorite players to watch. I feel like I drafted you every single year in fantasy. I had to have Fred Jackson on my squad. Thank you for coming on. Enjoy the holidays. Stay warm where you are. Everyone, you can follow Fred at Fred22Jackson. And uh, yeah, happy holidays. And thank you so much for being here. It really was a pleasure to talk to you. Man, absolute blast. I appreciate you guys having me on. I would love to do it again. You know, let's make it happen. Enjoy the holidays. Uh, Thank appreciate you, Fred. It so much, yeah, Brett. Happy Thank holidays. You. that music play because it means we get to talk about entourage and jerry you'll be very proud of me i finally finished season five Whoa. just in time for the holidays and you said this was one of your favorite seasons i see why the season went all over the place like location wise too so one quick question when you guys go to hawaii you never actually 
film in Hawaii, right? Like you didn't go there for this scene. No, uh, it would have been nice to go there for that scene. But no, that was shot at a hotel, I want to say, in like Long Beach, California. (laughs) You know, decked out to maybe look a little more tropical than it is. No, on that one, we didn't get to go there. But uh, that was a a fun episode. I know we talked about the Mushrooms episode where Connolly didn't speak. But also, I think what added to his Golden Globe run was that next episode where the model is sort of making fun of his height. Yes. And I do remember, too, that whole episode, Connelly's like, this is awesome. I just get made fun of for 30 minutes on TV. This is a Golden Globe nomination. Those two episodes, I think, are the two that really sealed the deal for him. He was great in those episodes. Now, how tall is he in real life? He's about my height. I think we're both around like five, seven, you know, okay. with shoes on, standing up straight. Sure. You know, we're bored. We're bo- if you ask him, this has been a debate for 20 years. He would say he's a full half to three quarters of an inch taller than me. I oh. have shrunk. In the last three years, so that might be true. But before I had such terrible posture holding kids, I think we were like, I mean, it was dead. It was a dead heat. Because his character gets so much flack for it on the show and yours never does. No, but I got all the, <laughs> you, got you know, for the fat, I got I got fat jokes. To, I, you know, I was the heavier guy, so you can't call me short and fat. That would just be mean. Speaking of that, you get actually called fat to your face by Jamie Lynn Sigler in this episode. And that part, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That was the first time they'd actually ever said that. And maybe I'm I'm too sensitive. I'm like, that's so mean. But that whole storyline was really interesting and a big part for your character. So walk me through that love interest. It's really your first love interest on the show. It was it definitely was my first love interest on the show and almost one of my firsts like ever on screen. I think yeah. I had a girlfriend in a movie I did earlier, but I was never I never had like the love interests. So I do remember and Jamie, who we all knew before the show a little bit, and she even knew our show creator. I think when Doug approached her, you remember the the episode like we're on the plane. Yeah. <laughs> like that's a hard thing to pitch someone. Yeah. And she was yeah. just like, Yeah, I'm down. Like, let's do it. That's hilarious. But I do even remember too. One of our producers was like, Jamie would never date Turtle, blah, blah, blah. And that might might have been true, but like in real life, we dated. So I, he was, I wasn't going to bring it up, but I did. No, that's like, look, we can leave it at research, that. But, I found that. <laughs> but that was a little bit like, well, I guess you're wrong on both levels hey. uh, on the show and in real life. But uh, no, that was really fun. I had a whole new respect for actors who are in those romantic situations a lot. Ooh. I don't love playing all that stuff. Even doing like the walk of shame, Turtle does like the walk of shame almost. I'm yep. like, I just don't, I don't ever have to do that stuff. And I would be more than happy just being funny or being a lawyer. But that was good. That was like the first real evolution for Turtle. I think he starts to become a man now, like a grown man <laughs> you're watching before your eyes. Someone who is on this season in the last couple episodes that kind of got me by surprise. And I think we talked off air about this, but Phil Mickelson makes a return because he was the butt of a joke earlier on, and then he's in this episode, the episode where that one studio head dies on the golf course with Ari. And my one thing that stuck out was, boy, is Phil a bad actor. <laughs> Listen, you know, he's great in commercials and stuff yep. like that. couple of things about Phil. One, like we made that joke in the season prior where I think the Ari character says, my God, the kid's melting down like Phil Mickelson at Winged Foot, which at that time, that was not that far removed from happening. So now it's oh. an old joke, but that had just happened. And Kevin Dillon and I ran into him at a golf course in like San Diego area. And I think Dillon was the one who asked him, like, Philly should come on the show. We were worried though, because did he see the joke? Is he gonna, he's a big guy, actually. Is he gonna take a swing at me? And he, he had the best sense of humor about it. 
he thought it was hilarious and he's like hell yeah i'll come on and yeah that episode with the studio had done i love season five olivia because it really is the up and down of an actor and this is arguably the lowest the vincent chase character is he gets fired from a movie and I even love that line from Ari after Alan dies and he's like, tomorrow we'll see how alive Vince is because, yes, it's terrible that he died, but uh, that Alan character was hell-bent on seeing Vince never make another movie again. So, And clearly this has to happen in real life, right? Of and, and you, This is a sports podcast. This happens in sports. Certain coaches, certain GMs just like will never sign a certain guy. They just will not like a guy. They feel like snake bit. And this happens in Hollywood. Have have you known a situation like this that you can even speak of? Like, yeah, that one studio had he hated so-and-so. I don't think I know of a specific scenario where that I could say like, oh, this happened to this guy or this, this girl. But I do know the minute that you are sort of dubbed either hard to work with or, oh. you know, Vince, you know, he doesn't want to play the game. And maybe you could say the Vince character didn't want to play the game in seasons past where he would do the studio movie and, sacrifice some things and be a collaborative but what i loved about it adrian played it so well is once he realized he was down he said okay i will do whatever it takes to get but he was willing to take a smaller role humble his ego but yeah the mm-hmm. allen character just hated him and grudges like you said it's real in sports i think it's real in hollywood too and um yeah getting vince back on top was it was always a fun a fun task but the other question too olivia is is Vincent Chase a good actor or is he a movie star? There is a difference. We don't really know. There's a difference. We don't really know. I think there is a difference from like a really great actor or a really yeah. great movie star. And sometimes you get people who are both and those people end yeah. up having careers forever. Yeah. Leo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, like guys like that. Right. But we never really see Vince act is the funny part. A little bit in like the smoke jumpers thing, which again, you can't even tell with, with Medellin, right? Like you see yeah. the trailer. And it yeah. looks so goofy because the makeup's goofy. And when he was doing that scene in the, the Smoke Jumpers movies hanging from the tree, I don't know, it didn't look like he was a bad actor out of context, yeah. but that was always the great question. And I don't know if it ever truly got answered, is Vincent Chase a good actor or not? Or is he just like a really good movie star? Well, that sums up season five. I'm going to start season six after the holidays and we will pick back up where we left off uh, early January with our entourage behind the scenes. The Lions. All right, everyone, it's time for my favorite part of the show. And we're, we're bringing on our guest. And I, I think we could officially go back to the early moniker that we had for him. Bet MGM's, I, we could just call him a betting expert at this point. Also, guys, if, if you hear a little, that's the sound of a, our mic smoking hot because the on fire Peter Andrew is joining us to make some picks. Peter, let me just, let me just, I'm just going to clap it up for you. Ran the table last week. How did that, I mean, we, we needed it and you delivered. That's why we're all red today. Just those flames left and right. So I had to just match it. <laughs> yeah, it felt good though. I think you might've tailed me. I don't know, but we went perfect three for three, I think up 15 units. So plus the 10 original, that's 25 units for the week. Couldn't have been any better. Started with, the uh, the one game parlay Thursday night football McCaffrey hundred plus yards we had uh, Seattle under twenty one and a half uh, and then Niners money line everything hit things were flying from there 
And then I got a little lucky with the Vikings plus three. I mean, probably yeah, the craziest game all of us have ever seen. So listen, you take it as it comes for sure. I will say that that one game parlay too, that was almost like a no doubter from the moment of kickoff to the end. Like I, I really don't even think you had to sweat much with that one. That one just seemed like a no. McCaffrey was running well. Seattle didn't look like they could do anything with that Niners. And it never really was in doubt the Niners were going to win that game. So that, that must have just been a nice Thursday night for you. It was great. And, you know, it's funny. We didn't get to talk about it on the podcast. I placed another one before Thursday night. I added those three things in, plus McCaffrey and Kittle touchdowns. I have the receipts uh, to prove it. So I hit that at, like, I think 16-1 to 1 or something like that. So I was, I mean... You better buy your one. wife something amazing for Christmas with all those winning. You're closing out the year strong. All right, what do you got for us this week then? Because you're on a roll. Yeah, so start again. Obviously, we have to hit another one game parlay after last week. This is a quick, easy one. I think there's great value too. So two units, you got Jags at Jets Thursday Night Football. I think that's a actually a pretty good game, really meaningful for both teams. Over 38 and a half. I think what you're seeing with Trevor Lawrence and the Jags, they're scoring points. I they think have the to win out. Have, they have, they have to, to win, win out. out. But but listen, they play the Titans to wrap the season up. That's going to be for the division. I think they do win yeah. out. But for this week, I've kind of take, I've stripped out the money line. I just went over 30 and a half. I think both teams are going to have to score some points and be aggressive. Zay Jones has been an unbelievable wide receiver one for them the last probably three, four weeks. He's moving up into a top 20 overall role the way he's playing. So really impressive. So anytime touchdown for him. And then I think Zach Wilson has to get Garrett Wilson going. He's had trouble. We've talked about this in the past. He's had trouble getting him going. He is the focal point of their offense, especially without Brees Hall due to injury. No brainer for me. Those guys are going to be two big parts of the offense. Two units to win $200. So to win pretty substantial amount of money, 20 to win 200. So yeah, interested in your guys' thoughts there. I think that's a quick and easy one, but obviously two pieces of the offense that I think need to get going. Look, as someone who uh, has been riding Trevor Lawrence to the through the fantasy football playoffs so far, even what I love about what Lawrence is doing is now you feel like the Jags are just in every game, even when they're not. They were going against a good defense, so I knew they, you know, Dallas's secondary was banged up, but still to go put up that amount of unanswered points against the Cowboys is pretty spectacular. Zay Jones, fantastic. I agree with you with Garrett Wilson because Zach Wilson did. I mean, four catches, ninety-eight yards is probably the best those two have looked. Garrett Wilson. My God, I mean, boy, did they hit that pick because he yeah. even making look, even making Zach Wilson look good. I'm listen, I'm riding you too, just like Trevor Lawrence, buddy. Uh, we're going to go into 2023 to the moon, Peter Andrew, yeah. to the moon. <laughs> Love it. And, you know, funny, we talked about it last week. I think Jags were one of my picks in the teaser. And I said, yep. sprinkle a little on the money line if you have a couple of units. They're that good. They're going to stay in games. I know they, they struggled for about a half, but they worked themselves back into games. And I think they'd be a fun playoff team. I'd rather see them over the Titans just with kind of the what they can do, the intangibles versus a kind of one-dimensional offense like the Titans. So that's two units there. Where are we going to next? And just for context, everyone, he's wearing a red San Francisco 49ers kind of skull cap and a Alabama t-shirt, which Ooh. Olivia was highly offended by the minute he it's came random. on the screen. You're just doing yeah, that for I've I've done it once before to chirp Olivia this time. I promise it's just because I have to do laundry. Um, <laughs> you thought they matched. Where, where are we okay. going next, Pete? So stick into the, the beanie. I think four units, Niners minus seven and a half. Taking away the homer element of this. I think Niners have a really interesting opportunity the next couple of weeks. So they finish up against Washington, Vegas, Arizona. Three very winnable games. 
they can put themselves in a great position. Talk about Jalen Hurts. This injury, based off the odds, it looks like he might be hurt longer than one week. I heard rumors about collarbone, things like that. If they slip, if Minnesota does what they do and slip and lose a couple of these games, Niners could find themselves in the one slot. So uh, it's unlikely, but it's possible. So I think they have to. Uh, I think they have to play every game with full rosters here. Washington had a ton of trouble against Kayvon Thibodeau and and the Niners front four, front seven. I think that's going to be no better this week, especially at home for the Niners. I see this being a two touchdown plus game, and you got to keep you know Brock Purdy going. He's only played two and a half games. You got to get him ready for the playoffs now that they've won the NFC West. So I think they come in with full offense, keep rolling. Uh, and then a pretty substantial win. So four units there, minus 110 with the minus seven and a half. So the hook going the other way. Yeah, I think the Niners have been a big part of your formula to get back. It all started when you took those five yeah. giant favorites on a on a very uneven money line. I like that too. I mean, you saw with the Giants defense, which is not very good. They're only okay, but saw what that defense was able to do to Heineke. So yeah, going into San Fran, that might be scary. Okay, so you got that for four units. So you got four units remaining. Yeah. Where are we going? Very simple parlay here. Two teams that are desperate for wins. Dolphins home against Green Bay. And then you got the Chargers at Indy. Start with the Dolphins. This line doesn't make sense to me. We're sticking to the money line, but four and a half points. I think that's a little Mm. bit misproportioned because of the win last night. I can say really, really bad Rams team. I think the Dolphins have to take care of business at home give themselves a good position to go into the last couple of weeks of the year without having to stress too much. Played really well in Buffalo. They've got all the tools. They just got to put it together. I think they bounced back this week after a couple tough, tough weeks. They've lost three straight. They're tail spinning. Yeah, but I thought all things considered, they played decently well in Buffalo. <laughs> Again, Homer aside, <laughs> they went against a really, really good Niners defense a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So I think there's there's some opportunity and they should bounce back and win but this one. But they are hungry and they are poised to make a run. Yeah, I know. Oh, I thought we were <laughs> done with this, but we're not. That's what's sick we're is not we're not done. No, we're not I know. done. I thought I was I, done too. I, I should have known putting the Packers here, this would have been a bad idea. Uh-huh. Yeah, just baiting uh, Olivia. Yeah. This one, I think maybe everybody will agree upon. A very one-dimensional Colts team now going against the Chargers team, who again are fighting for a playoff spot putting themselves in a good position, but Jonathan Taylor likely out for the year coming off a really, really, really bad loss against the Vikings. I think that's one of those things that you have to put the mental and emotional element to this. They are super deflated from that. Chargers go into Indy. I think they take care of business. So both of those, I don't want to touch the spreads, keep the money lines. It's plus 113. So it's plus money. It's 40 to win 93 or four units to win 9.3. Again, not asking for too much, but I think two teams that are super desperate for a win, to Livy's point, especially the Dolphins. I do like it a lot. I do think that it will be, that Dolphins-Packers game is going to be very interesting because to Olivia's point, there is a pulse. It, they, they are not dead completely. They, they might be on life support, and but Romeo there is a pulse. Dobbs was back. He looked good. Christian Watson looks good. A.J. Dillon, two touchdowns, but he might be hurt, so concussion. All right. So just, just, <laughs> I'm just saying there's, there's, there's things happening. I got the hype machine. The Packers hype machine (laughs) has begun. All I'll say too, I I like that parlay a lot. You are tempting fate again because you got such a gift from the Colts. You would think, right? They're going to just like, hey, let's pack it up, guys. Let's just get out of here safely and healthy. (sighs) I just, those are just two weird teams. I'm glad you took the money line. I don't trust the Chargers with any kind of point spread at all. Yeah. 
but I trust I him to win. I agree, especially on the road. It's it's a tough one, but I think you're just you're in desperation mode for a lot of these teams, and they have to win out or they have to win two out of three at this point. So you'd expect them to beat the subpar teams. And Olivia, it's almost like you have family that's worked for the Packers before with how you're <laughs> touting them. So I don't know. It's crazy. You think they're writing me checks. They are not. I'm just loyal. <laughs> my my blood is green. Except for playoffs when it's red and gold. for Yeah, that, that's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, In February, it's red. Yeah. Peter, can't thank you enough. I truly, truly hope you have a happy holiday. You're off to a great start going into this holiday season. I hope you close out 2022 strong because I would love nothing more than to come back in 2023 for the first episode and Peter on a heater. That's my line for 2023. New segment title. on a heater. Yeah, we'd have to think of the converse one when I go on a streak or a bad streak because Pete. Peter needs to take a cedar. Time to fold. He's cold. I'm excited to to go into the new year. We don't talk any basketball, any hockey. We haven't we talked will. college hoops. We're gonna have a good start to 2023 once we make a couple bucks from uh, from the NFL and start pivoting. So I'm excited. Same to you guys. Happy holidays. Gonna be a fun next couple months. Thank All you right, so Pete, much, Pete. Thank you. Happy holidays. You too, guys. Take care. Well, that was a very fun show. I am so in the holiday spirit. And Jerry, I just want to wish you a very Jerry Christmas. Uh, Merry Christmas to you. Also, first Christmas as a mom. Enjoy it. Christmas gets, I mean, Christmas is always cool. But seeing it through your kid's point of view, it's like you get Christmas back as a kid again. So enjoy your first as a parent. It's the best. Uh, I saw you put that on social media and it just like melted me. That is such a good sentiment. But thanks everyone for listening. Thanks for another great year as we wrap up 2022. We do have a show coming out next week, so make sure you listen to that. We look back on the best moments in sports in 2022 and you're actually not going to believe what we came up with. So it's a really fun listen. Thanks everyone for joining us. Happy holidays. Wishing everyone health and happiness in 2023. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. 
Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.